Joshua 23. This is actually uh, uh, 23 and 24 is all one continuous kind of uh, encouragement from Joshua to the people. Uh, but there's a little bit of different people that he talks to in chapter 24 than 23, but it's it's the same uh, kind of uh, message. Um, he is um, about to die. He dies in chapter 24. Uh, he dies at the age of 110. And verse 1 of chapter 23 says, It came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from their enemies round about, that Joshua was old and advanced in age. So from the end of chapter 22 to the beginning of chapter 23, there is what the Bible calls a long time. We don't know exactly how long, uh, but it was a long time uh, in which Israel basically had pretty good peace. So it is very common in the Christian walk for us to really lean on God when we're going through difficult times. It is also very common in the Christian walk to get a little bit uh, lackadaisical in our Christian walk when we're going through good times. When there's a time of peace and rest, we just have a little bit less connection with God. And many times those trials and tribulations God brings to us is to draw us back to him when we're kind of drifting a little bit. Um, so Joshua called for the Israel, Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, their heads, their judges, and their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in age. So in chapter 23, he brings in the elders, the heads, and the judges. In chapter 24, he brings in one leader from every tribe. So chapter 24, he kind of is dealing with the tribes themselves. Here, he's dealing with the people that are going to probably uh, take his leadership position after he dies. Uh, and so he's going to leave them with uh, some instructions to give to Israel. And then chapter 24 is one of the, the most powerful, important chapters, I think, in all of the Bible. It's really important. So I encourage you to be here next week as we finish that part of it. Uh, so let's look at the encouragement he gives to the leaders in, ver- in chapter 23. So verse 3 he says, um, You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. See, I have divided you by lot these nations that remain to an inheritance for your tribes. From the Jordan with all the nations I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God has promised you. So we learn in verse 5 that there's still some work to do. Not every part that they have has been taken. But verse 3 is the one we want to focus on right now. The first thing he says to them is that you have seen all the Lord your God has done to all these nations. There is a kind of a principle all through scripture 
about remembering what God has done for you. And when we forget the things that God has done for us, then we get a little overwhelmed sometimes by the present. Uh, but it's no mistake on Sunday, um, I was talking to Pastor Rick about this Tuesday. We meet every Tuesday and we were, I was talking about, uh, he was, he asked how Sunday went and it, I, I left feeling so, uh, unqualified on Sunday morning because the subject was so grand and we had communion the music was incredible the choir was great the worship team was amazing and so and then the message is like when you're studying and you're reading Ephesians 1 in those verses about all the blessings that come from God and I read that chapter last week and every verse was man whoa and I wanted I just pictured myself hearing gasps from everybody as the verses were read. And so I left thinking, man, I wish I did a better job because we're talking about this, all that God has done for us and all that he's going to do for us and we're going to get to heaven and, and all the work of Christ washed our sins away. And you can tell I still want to go back and preach it again. It's like, did you hear what I said? And so um, there's this idea from God of encouraging us not to forget what he's done for us. And so he sets up this beautiful kind of picture of the broken body and the shed blood so that we will always go back and remind ourselves of what he did. I was reading in Acts um, this week, uh, I think it was chapter 19, when it, the Bible says that Paul, got, remember when the guy fell out the window and died? And before he fell out the window and died, he says, Paul gathered with the people on, as was their custom on the first day of the week. And it became a custom to meet on the first day of the week. For what purpose? It's the day when Christ rose from the dead. And so they, they began to meet, not on the Sabbath, but they began to meet on the first day of the week in honor and to remember the resurrection. And so here we are 2,000 years later, still gathering on the first day of the week. And it's what we're supposed to be remembering. It's what we're supposed to be. And so a uh, couple of verses. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, the, the principle that we're talking about at this point is something that is very basic in Christianity, which is counting your blessings, remembering the good things. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 6 be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, Philippians 4, 6, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's been any virtue in anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And I like the last part of that verse where it just says that if you've got anything you can praise God about, you ought to think on those things. Um, we have some traditions in this church that, that um, over the years they weren't 
purposely meant to be traditions, but they, I, I guess our human psyche just makes them traditions. One is the singing birthday. I remember a couple of years ago, I forgot to do birthdays one Sunday. And, uh, boy, this person was really upset. They were not happy about it. And the other thing is, is, is taking praises and prayer requests. Um, it's become, we've had some different times where we've tried to switch that and change it and think about it. And the one thing about praises and prayer requests is my thought process always was that we would have the prayer requests and then the next week we'd have the praises for the answered prayer requests. But we get much more prayer requests than we get praises. They far outnumber. And if if that's how your personal time with God is, it's not healthy for your spiritual walk to not focus on the things that are praiseworthy. God says to think on these things and be anxious for nothing. Our prayer times can become, and I'm speaking of myself here, can be moments of anxiety because you go to him and you say, oh, we've got a wedding coming up, we've got our taxes due, and Lord, we got these coming up, oh, we need help with this, we just need help with this, um, and forget that, God has taken care of all your needs for the last, you know, 60 years. And so we've got to be a balance of, of, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, there's a balance there of praise to God be the glory and heaven and earth and all of those things. Uh, verse 9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So look, at if you're, if you're anxious, think about all the things that God is doing for you and has done for you. And how he's brought you through those trials in the past. And he'll bring him through again. Now, you can call me a hypocrite in those things as a person who has a little bit of a worry gene in him. Uh, but I'm not telling you from me what you got to do. This is what God says to do. And so it's not my words, it's his. And he's speaking to me as well as all of us. Uh, so stay in Philippians, look at chapter 2. I really like these verses a lot. It says, therefore, if there is chapter one, uh, chapter two, verse one, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the spirit, any affection and mercy. So Paul writes there, he says, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to think about if God has ever done anything for you at all. If you've ever had mercy from God, any fellowship of the spirit, God's ever comforted you. So, I, I'm going to assume, because you're here on a Wednesday night, that all of you in this room had had an experience at one time of God's comfort, love, encouragement, fellowship, or something. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. So then he says, fulfill my joy, if that it's ever happened to you, by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one Mind, he says, boy, if you if if I've ever done anything, let nothing be done through selfish ambition, but let the lowly and lowliness of the mind esteem others better than yourself. Look not only on your own interests, but also in the interests of others. So God says, if I've ever done anything for you, anything at all, think about it, and if you can find something I've done for you, then take that and turn it around and be kind to one another, and and. Be appreciative of it and be of one accord 
and look on the interest of others. Because I'm looking, and the, the principle here is that we see that God is caring for us. We recognize God's care for us. So then we don't have to worry so much about our stuff because God's got us. He's taking care of us. So then we can in turn go and look to people who don't have Christ and try to encourage them to, to, to find him and have that same relationship. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> See how I snuck it back in there? Oh, I'm so clever. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Only going to do one verse. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every blessing you've ever what does the Bible say? Every good thing, every perfect thing comes from where? It comes from above. You couldn't breathe without him. You literally couldn't breathe. And so there's never a time where we don't have something to praise him for. Something is praiseworthy. And us sitting here on a Wednesday night, more than anybody. Because we're here to learn more about the God we know loves us and the God that is so tremendous and, and has been part of our lives for, for quite a while. And so uh, I wrote this down for myself. It's a, um, We have a, a chapter in one of the books at school, and, it, and there's a story in there about a famous author who went to preach at a, a university, Christian college, and that he had a list of his accomplishments. And so he gets there, and on the pulpit, there is a um, plaque, a little uh, golden plaque that's that's on the pulpit. And it says, uh, would that we see Christ, is all it said. It was from old English. It's been there for ages. It's the pulpit's probably been there from the time the college started. And it... And, it was there to remind speakers that they don't want to see the person. Would that we see Christ. And he got there, and he's got all of his notes being ready to talk about all of his accomplishments. And he saw the the little plaque, and he was so convicted, he just put his notes away and talked about uh, how he needed to surrender his pride to Christ and just shared his testimony. It was it, So it reminds me, and I wrote myself, that it is, it's what God has done not what we have accomplished that people need to hear. And I just wrote that note to myself. And uh, uh, just notice, and, and I try to catch myself if, if I can, uh, how many sermons turn to I did this and I did that. And we don't want to hear, we want to hear Christ, what he has done for us. That's the message and pointing towards, uh, towards that. Uh, Joshua chapter 23, we'll go back there. Verse 6, it's a neat little verse. It says, Therefore, be very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Now, does that verse sound familiar to anybody? If you know Joshua 1.8, where God tells him to be strong and courageous, and then he says to him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night and observe to do all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So that was in Joshua 1, right after Moses dies. 
is one of the first things that God tells Joshua. So now as Joshua is dying, he passes on the exact message to the next generation. 1 Timothy 2, verse 2, um, is one of the... Uh, um, it's actually uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2. Um, Paul is about at the end of his life, and he's talking to Timothy, and he tells him in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 2, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, it has long been, for the about five years ago maybe, I don't know if it was, maybe Larry you might remember, about, about five years ago or so, we felt the, I don't know if it's... Unction, it's one of Dave's favorite words. We felt the unction that we really needed to have young men who could teach the word and lead. That um, those of us who had been here for a long time, the deacon board was getting a little older, elders were getting a little older, your pastor's getting a lot older. And we were thinking that, that, and we started kind of praying about God if he would raise young leaders and when Ben and, and Beckham, how long ago did they move? So it's almost two and a half. So, and, and I just assumed that, that it was, Ben was going to be the guy who would be, he was just, and so, um, but we kind of prayed about it. And, and I'll tell you, you know, Silas and Brian and Matt and Willie, it is, God has answered that prayer. There are young men at this church now and, 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 uh, Silas fills the pulpit and, and Willie's working with the young people and then you see I just almost cry when I saw Joel like just playing guitar I didn't know he'd come up for worship and what a great young man he is and we have our high school group right now with Connor and JW and Jason and Joel unbelievably great men and uh, and Courtney's there too she's alright she's here now uh, but we were we were praying specifically for men that would be the next deacons and the pastors and that kind of thing, and so um, I don't know what God has for you guys in the future, but it's just good to know that they're out there and God can bring them to this body, and when we're ready to head off into the skies, of, that there'll be people here that the gospel will be preached, music will be played, and young people in this community will have somebody sharing the gospel with them. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so we kind of took that verse and we said, God, we want to do that. We need some young men to train and to, to encourage. Uh, and that's what Joshua's doing. Um, so verses 7 through 9, we're going to spend a little more time on these verses because there's a phrase in here that um, is important. So he, he tells them to be courageous, follow the book of the law, don't turn to your right hand or to your left. And whenever they're talking about right hand to your left, it's always talking about doctrine. Uh, the Bible says we're not to be swayed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So know the word, stay in the word. Um, I read something today that about the, the damage that the evangelical church has done to God by putting the Bible first. 
And it was a really bizarre little article about that we, by putting the Bible first, we have not allowed God to speak through his prophets and apostles. And we got to be careful. The Bible first, the Bible first. No, no. Uh, so verse 7, lest you go among these nations who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause any of them to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done this day. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you this day. So what's his encouragement to them in verse 8? Think about everything God has done for you. Stay in his word and don't let go. And that phrase in verse 8 is hold fast to the Lord your God. I don't know that there's anything more heartbreaking than people who have been sold out for God and just leave the church. And I won't say leave the faith because it's almost a sign that there wasn't real true faith in the first place. But they, they used to be on fire for, it's just, it's, it, and he's looking at them. He knows what they're going to do. Joshua knows that there's weakness in there. We'll see that next week. And he says, look at, think, don't forget everything God's done for you. You've taken these people. You've wiped them out. He's given you this land. Now he's given you peace. Hang on to that. Don't forget it. Because what you're going to do is you're going to see the girls from the other countries and they're going to look pretty and you're going to marry them and you're going to worship their gods and everything's going to fall apart and you're going to forget. This is our country in a nutshell, isn't it? When you go back and if you get every chance to read the writings of our forefathers that formed this constitution, formed the Declaration of Independence, formed the laws of this country and how everything was was built upon the principles of God, it's inspiring. And we have totally forgotten that. We've forgotten that. I mean we're we're literally getting ready to to elect a socialist. And and it's everything that they left they're just returning to. And this is what Joshua said they're going to do. And he said, you got to hold fast. And for our country, when you, it sounds trite and, and super, uh, cheesy, but we need to get back to the roots of, of our forefathers and the scriptures that this country was built upon. And it sounds like a Fourth of July speech, but it's what Joshua tells them, isn't it? Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Right now they're doing good, but he's really, it's kind of like sending your kids off to college. Now don't forget what we taught you. Don't go, don't, uh, don't leave. And it's like, oh, we just, you, you, the world snatches them up. Um, so let's look at some verses starting in 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to walk through some verses because I want you to, uh, and Larry's really good at this. Larry, if you go to Sunday school class and you guys know this, it's just verse after verse after verse. And part of the, the good exercise in doing that is when you see how much God has to say about a, a particular subject, it's very eye-opening to us. And God has a lot to say. I'm only looking at the New Testament verses about this idea of holding fast, hanging on to God and not letting go. 
So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved. If you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So this is Paul saying, the gospel is what saves you. But if you are believing because it's the religious thing to do or because it's what everybody in your family's doing or it's what you're expected to do and you fit in better if you say you're a Christian, then you are the, 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 the ground that the Bible talks about doesn't really take root. And the world comes in and you were just never really grounded. But if you hold fast, which is basically the, the, the very description of that, that seed taking root in your life, that if, as long as you're not fooling me, basically is what he's saying, then you can't lose this. It'll be yours. I declare to you the gospel which, in which you stand, by which you are saved, but you're only saved if you hold fast to it. In other words, yes, I'm taking that gospel because I don't know what percentage of those in church, not this church, uh, but this church is definitely included. But the percentage of people who go to church on a regular basis are not truly Christians. What do you think? Do you think that number is high? I think it's over 20%. And in our particular state of of where we are in 2020 it's probably pretty high and so um so we want to get people to hold fast it's a hard thing because people if if you even recommend or 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 that a person may not truly be a christian they don't like it it hurts their feelings uh philippians 2 verse 14 we're going to kind of go in order of these books so we can follow along philippians 2 14 do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Sounds like us, doesn't it? Hopefully. Holding fast the word of life so I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. If I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. So Paul says, look at, I pray that you're hanging on to this word of life, holding fast. Otherwise, everything I'm doing is in vain. Preaching to you in vain. If this is all just a religious kind of act to you and you're not really hanging on to the truth of God's word, and this is what we see when you say a thing like these churches that that put the Bible first ahead of Christ. They're no, the Bible is the, the Christ is the Word. Um, and so, if you don't hang on to that and hold fast to His words, then for a lot of people, for a lot of people over the last thirty years, the preaching here has been in vain. That have come and gone. And don't walk in the faith, even though they've heard the truth, they've heard the gospel, but it didn't take root in their lives, and and doesn't mean it won't someday. The seeds are still there. Second um, Thessalonians chapter two, Second Thessalonians. 
And we're going to look at verse 13 through 15. We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 And thanks to God always for you because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory and the Lord Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. So what are they supposed to hang on to? Either the word or the letter. The epistle is the word letter, which became the scriptures, didn't they? And so when the Bible, what I want you to see is, and go ahead and go to Second Timothy chapter 1. This is the last one we'll read. Uh, verse 13 and 14. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So there's been a common thread to all of these hold fast verses. It's either the word, the gospel, the epistle. So this is what we're holding on to. This is the truth. Christ is the the way, the truth, and the life. This is how we learn about him. This is what we know. And God says, don't let go. And we are starting to be turned to and fro by different teachings and different doctrines. And God says, no, hang on to what you know. Hang on to that gospel. Hang on to the truth that's able to save you. Don't turn away. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Test all things, but hold fast to what is good. Titus 1.9, Hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine to exhort, convict those who contradict. So you got to hang on to the God's word. So when people contradict it, you can go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right at all. So I'm going to hang on to the what this writer over here and this author over here and this person over here and this YouTube video over here says differently. We're going to hold fast to this. Just going to hold fast to this. Um, Let's go back to Joshua 23. His next encouragement, so he tells him, remember everything God has done for you and hang on to what you've learned. Don't be swayed by some other teaching, some other uh, people. And then the next thing is, uh, one man of you, verse 10, shall chase a thousand. Isn't that a neat little phrase? What does it mean? One man shall chase a thousand. That's the strength that God's going to give them. So cling to the remnant of the nations. Or, or sorry, one man shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Or else indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations that they remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges to your side and thorns in your eyes and you perish from this good land which the Lord has given you. 
And he says, look, you need to hang on to God. He will fight for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you're standing with God, then one person will chase away a thousand. But if you leave God, then that remnant, those little bit of people you left alive, remember the Canaanites, they didn't take, it says they're going to turn around and you're going to, they're going to marry your sons and daughters and they're going to ruin everything. What do we learn about this in chapter 23? But what we learn is nothing has changed. Isn't this the same message you would give to a young person going off to college? You would tell them exactly the same thing. Don't forget all the things God has done for us. Don't forget him when you go off to college. Don't forget. Hang on to the word. Don't let go of it. Be strong in the Lord. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you, but, uh, but you can do nothing without God. And we would say the same thing. And you can just hear Joshua. We're going to see it more next week. He's so concerned for these Israelites. He's watched them for 110 years. He's the guy who came back and the first time and said, let's go get this land. And they looked at him and they wanted to kill him because of his faith. He stood strong the whole time. And now that he's dying, he just knows what's going to happen. And we're going to see when we get to Judges exactly the things he's worried about happen. He just does. Uh, verse 14 through 16. So behold this day. I am going the way of the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Therefore, it shall come to pass as all the good things have come upon you which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. I was talking this morning to the kids about this idea of to whom much is given, much is required. And one of the kids says, Hey, that's from Spider-Man. And I said, No, that's to who, which much power comes much responsibility, I guess. And so, and they said, I said, no, they stole that from the Bible. They did, and we had to go read the verses uh, because they get most of their doctrine, I guess, from superhero movies. But the principle is there, isn't it? He says, look at this God who gave you so many things that you saw so much amazing miracles and provision and protection and power, that same God will turn around and bring the same harmful things to you with just as much power and wrath because you should know better. You've seen it all. And he says that same God will turn and bring you harm. When you have transgressed, verse 16, the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them with the anger of the Lord will burn against you. You will perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. And he warns them. The last thing he says, don't forget all the things God has done for you. Do not waver from this word. You hang on to it. And remember, God is with you and you can do anything that he gives you the strength to do. One of you can chase a thousand. But if you stray, it's going to be particularly hard for you because you should know better.
That principle has not changed. It applies to our nation. It applies to our country. It applies to your family. Praise God that you found Christ and he found you and you have eternal life and he's given you. But he's expecting more from you. Don't ever kid yourself. He's expecting more from you than those who walk in darkness. So let's close with Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at verse um, 42. The Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward? He had just told them the parable of the steward, and Peter wants to know if he was talking to them or other people. He says, who is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them the portion of food in due season? Blessed is the servant who the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, The master of that servant will come on that day when he is not looking for him, at an hour when he's not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him as portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed these things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. For everyone to whom much is given... From him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him will they ask the more. So God is comparing this to these two masters who treated their um, employees poorly. He says the one will be beaten with many stripes because he knew God and knew what the master's will was. The one who's walking in ignorance, he will get a few stripes. Well, that's the principle of of us as Christians who should know better. To go back like a dog returning to his vomit and go back to our old life. Uh, Either the whole thing was in vain and we didn't really have fast to it, or we're just asking God for greater judgment. We have been given so much. And so what does God require of us? Just to love others, to teach them and preach the gospel to them and help them grow. But but Israel is under this great pressure now to follow and hold fast to God. If they would do it, they would be blessed. We know they're not going to do it. Generations are going to come, and, and that will be the book of Judges. And so next week, I really encourage you, chapter 24, if you can't be here next week, really study that chapter. It is the, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord chapter. It's really, really strong. It's really good. Um, Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Forgive us for the times we take it for granted. Forgive it for the times we misinterpret uh, uh, it or, or just uh, ignore it altogether. And Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to stay on that kind of narrow path that leads to righteousness 
not be turned to and fro by the world or other doctrines, but that we would just hold fast to your word. And Lord, uh, that we would be uh, appreciative of all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.